Welcome to Season 2, Episode 2 of the Sensennial Podcast. And this week we're doing our free agency Part 2 uh, episode and uh, a couple other topics that we're adding on to the end of it. So we're just going to dive right in, because why not? So right off the top, yeah. we're talking about the Chris Tierney re-signing for two years at $3.5 million per year. Uh, the first year he's getting $2.8 million. second year he's getting $4.2 million. I assume, like most players signing NHL contracts, uh, this year, it's uh, backloaded because of escrow and the um, 10% deferred uh, till next season as well. So, yeah, um, I'll, I'll start off with uh, Bennett. What did you think about uh, Tierney re-signing with the Suns for two years? Yeah, I think it's expected, uh, despite the fact that the Suns have a lot of potential centers this year. I think most of them are very raw, and so you want to make sure that there's an experienced presence there to to hold down a spot in the top six if need be. I think Tierney will certainly fulfill that role, at least at the beginning of the season. Uh, and I think uh, he occupies an interesting space within the Sens roster, is that he's good enough, quote-unquote, on a, on a bad team, which we will be, presumably. He's good enough to, you know, be like a top six center, uh, but not so good that like he can't be dropped if one of the younger guys, like maybe Brown, Norris, or Stutzler, has a really good season and and they want to move them to center. Or like in the case of Stutzler, if they want to start him on the wing and moving into center, um, yeah. then I think you know it's very easy to justify dropping someone of Chris Tierney's caliber down the lineup or perhaps entirely. Although I suspect that wouldn't happen in order to accommodate one of those guys. So I think. Uh, I think it's a good it's a good move. It's a smart move. It's a move for where the Sens are right now, and uh, yeah, I I have no complaints whatsoever. What say you, other Matt? <laughs> I I mean the the contract is it's it's pretty um, it's pretty fine. Like I mean, three point five for a guy who you know uh, two seasons ago put up put up 48 points for us. I thought that was solid. Um, you know, was, I think a lot of people underrate Tierney and I understand why. Uh, he's very like an, he's a very underwhelming player, but he did have like a sneaky 50 point season essentially. Um, with that said, do I look at him as a guy that, you know, if there's a team looking to get into the playoffs or like, you know, pad the team that they have, uh, he wouldn't be the worst uh, player in the world to get at the deadline if your team has the cap space. Um, I don't see Tierney being a part of the, the solution for the next couple of years uh but at 3.5 million you know it's a it's a good signing i think he is versatile in that he's a top 6 center but also a bottom 6 center <laughs> um yeah honest like he's just he's just a solid player to have um has the ability to put up a good amount of points and like as as we all know, he's just kind of one of those players that can go anywhere in your lineup. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say like, you could tell me that Tierney is gonna be a one C on game one, 
of the 2020-21 uh, yeah. season, I'd be like, yeah, that makes sense. You tell him he's going to yeah. be a 4C, and I'd be like, yeah, that makes sense. Like, <laughs> literally, <laughs> like you could put him in on any of those lines, and it kind of makes sense, just considering like, the kind of player he is. <laughs> like, you know, not quite good enough to be a 1C on a good team, but, like, a very solid bottom 6C on... Uh, on what on would a cup be a contending team. team. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's like, no, you know. I agree. I, I think. Here's sorry, a I'll question, just... though. Sorry. Um, who do you think would be the ones? Who would you rather see as the one see on night one? Colin okay. White or Chris Tierney? Um, honestly, the only reason why. Logan Brown. <laughs> that, that's an option as well, yeah. Uh, yeah, the only. Okay. So there's kind of two ways I look at this. I look at it as either you put. Brady Kachuk and Dadanov on the line and have someone like Colin White to center them in order to get Colin White learning, not learning, but getting better offensively. Because as we know, Colin White is, he, he did struggle last year because of injury, but he does have a better sense of the defensive side of the game than I think he does of the offensive side of the game. And that's actually good, yeah. right? I know I, that's been talked a lot about uh, Colin White and how he is that player who has a, a better defensive um, knowledge of his game than offensive. So I think playing with Brady Kachuk and Evgeny Dadanov would do wonders for his offensive production. But at the same time, that line could... I know like Colin White's still young, so putting him on that first line and having the defensive responsibilities of like a 1C may be too much for him and that's where yeah. i like you could debate that tyranny should start on that first line because he's capable of being a playmaker and setting up dadanov and break chuck i mean you look at his assists and what was it um last season he only had 26 assists but the prior season like other matt was saying he had 39, 39. assists right so yep. uh, he he's definitely a guy who can dish the puck and so if you have him on your first line centering dadnov and kachuk well then he has more of that defensive capability um and then uh, i think that might make up for any uh deficiencies uh that that might be there if if Colin White was there only because Tierney's just a lot more experienced at the NHL level. So that's kind of how I'm viewing it. It just depends on what DJ Smith sees as the optimal setup to to kind of make sure the team is is balanced everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that makes total sense. <laughs> I uh I suspect Tierney will start the season as our one C and then mm. You know, he might move up or down the lineup as other guys move up or down the lineup. What I think I would like to nice. see Colin White given a more given more opportunity, but it's it's hard to say. I think he has he has the skill to do it. I just don't think the confidence was there at all last year, which sucks. I yeah. I think he'll probably regardless end up playing with better players than he did last year. Oh, for White. sure. Like let <laughs> let's just hypothetically map this out really quickly like you know Tierney on the top line with uh Brady Tuchuk and Evgeny Dodonov and then a second line let's say they start Stutz on the wing as uh, as a left wing on that second line centered by Colin White and what yep. uh Jake Batherson on the right wing Jake Batherson yeah then oh, all man, of a that's, sudden that's Colin, a disgusting White, line. <laughs> Colin White is surrounded by much more skill than he was last year and you know with the the less the lesser uh, responsibilities of being a two C, I think that could be a really good spot for him. And then no. you stick, you know, and Brown or Norris yeah. on the third or fourth line, depending on how you uh, so, how you want to map mean, it out. Sorry, I don't want to like interrupt, but I should say that I don't th know if putting a Stutzla, um, 
uh, Colin White, Drake Batherson line together is the best idea because Stutzla, I think, is going to want to or is going to need like to have a more gonna experienced wanna... player on that yeah. line. I honestly think that having Connor Brown on that line might be better. Um, oh yes, on the no, right I, I agree. I think uh, I think that's a better idea. Yeah, I, I was like, I know yeah, I'm beginning a right wing okay, somewhere. So this, is, this is what I had as, as a third line, and you guys can kind of give me uh, your opinions. Um, I know we have Galchenyuk, but I was kind of thinking of a Nick Paul, Josh Norris, Drake Batherson line. Now I say this because they all played in Belleville together. I know they weren't all on the same line. Um, I'm pretty sure that Batherson and Paul played with Brown. I could be corrected on that. I, I think that's what it was. But I think that having those three Belleville guys on the line as a third line would have a lot of speed, a lot of skill. And Nick Paul's a sizable lad. And Drake Batherson's a pretty decent-sized guy, too. So I think that that could be like a really nice, um, fast, speedy third line that could take other third like advantage of other third lines. Um, and mm, then, that? yeah, I mean, Galchenyuk power play specialist, but I mean... <laughs> like he can kind of go up and down the lineup. I'm not sure where he'll slot in exactly. Um, but guys, I think we're undervaluing the the possibility of a one C of Artem Anisimov with Evgeny Dadanov. <laughs> the I mean, Russian I connection. Up, I don't know how much we're gonna see of Artem Anisimov this year. Like I don't <laughs> I don't see He's him getting be... more than 15 games in the I think he might be this year's Mikel Bodker, if I'm being honest. Yeah, and that that's that's kind of what I wrote about. Like I just don't see Artem Anisimov fitting into this lineup. Like, why are you? Why do you want to play like whatever, or like a 34, 35 year old who is 32. slow? Thirty-two. He plays old. He's Holy! Not, oh my God! Why you're so yeah. mean, Matt? Look at. Well, I, I'd say Artie like, Party can snipe them. Okay. What's What's more telling is that you know this is the last year of his contract, uh, where he will almost certainly not be re-signed. And yeah, I mean, yeah. if the Sen strategy is to like, you know, promote the youth and let them develop at this level, then it's like he's just—he's clearly just getting in the way at that point. So yeah, I suspect—I uh, suspect they'll probably try to flip him, or if they yeah. can't, then yeah, they'll just you know, uh, just create you know a box for him at CTC. And, uh, yeah, I yeah. still think we won the Zach Smith Artem and Nisimov trade, though. <laughs> you don't think, or you do? I still think we did. Yeah, I I agree, yeah. and I mean we have the cap space that I think it wasn't a big deal to take on the higher cap either. So I think that yeah, was, it doesn't oh, yeah. really matter. No, um, I, nothing against the guy whatsoever. He's been totally fine yeah. since he's been here. So, what do you guys we, think we of the guy? The, uh, <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, I was gonna say we kind of went on a side tangent there. That was that was <laughs> supposed to be all about tyranny, and we were just like, let's go into the roster. What are the lines? Let's break it down. Oh, it's fine. <laughs> I know. I'm just kidding. Oh, I think it was tyranny adjacent. But I kind of talked about tyranny Galchenyuk, adjacent. but we didn't actually mention Galchenyuk's signing yet for one year at 1.05 million. So um, I know there was a lot of controversy on Twitter about this. Uh, uh, people either saying he's going to get in the way of prospects. It was uh, brutal. Or, or he, uh, <laughs> other the people signing, but like the. <laughs> oh my god! But but other people saying that um, that like I don't know he was a wasted spot or he was a bust or it's whatever you know. There, there's just there's a lot, and some people are saying, hey, no, maybe he can get it back together. Maybe we don't know. He's 26. He turns 27 uh, this season, and and it, there, there's still potential something yeah. on the table with him. But it, it, what did you guys think about that that signing? That again, like the Dadanov one, kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah, um, the way I see it is, 
is you got Galchenyuk for, for nothing. Do I agree that he's going to be taking a roster spot of a younger player? Yes. But I'm going to say this. I am not in like as a as a coach or a general manager putting a tro- top prospect like Logan Brown or Josh Norris on the fourth line. So Galchenyuk, we're assuming, is being signed as a fourth-line center that can play on the wing as well. I actually don't think he'll play center. I was going to say, my, my expectation as well is that he's going to play as a winger. And it seemed like... Yeah. Okay. I, this is, this is uh, um, you know, uh, third-hand. But apparently Dorian, when he was, like, talking about signing Galchenyuk, he was like, oh, like... He's a winger who can play center, as opposed to saying okay, like. Okay, so so he signed up as a winger. Okay, and that that's absolutely fair. But I'm also not bringing up Alex Fermentin to play mm. on the fourth line. Yeah, your point still stands. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Like, I, the only roster spot that Galchenyuk might be taking is from a player that's already established on the team in Nick Paul. Nick Paul is either going to play a third-line winger spot or a fourth-line winger spot. He's not going to play above that because those slots are taken. Chenyuk and him are going to essentially like flip-flop all season between three and four. Chenyuk might go up one if Stutzla struggles. I don't really foresee that happening, though. Um, and, you know, Galchenyuk has quite a bit of skill. And we've seen it in past seasons. Uh, and you know what? If it works out, great. And he's put up like 40 points for us. You trade him at the deadline, you get an asset. That's the, like, that's a win. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, I get it from the, oh, there's a younger player that spot. But also, I'm not, I'm not playing a top prospect there. So are they really taking a spot? <laughs> yeah. I saw it more as insurance too. And if he turns out to be something even better yeah. than that, then perfect trade deadline, um, either piece or, or uh, just let him walk in the off season. If he, he doesn't perform or if he, I don't know, there's no space for him. Yeah. It's a, it's a low risk medium reward contract. Like, yeah, you know, it doesn't. It's one year. It's like just over a million dollars. So there's basically no risk in terms of tying up too much salary or tying up a roster spot long term. And he has previously been a good player at the NHL level. And if he's bounced around a bunch, if he can put it together for the sense, he's a good option to have. Now, does that mean we'd want to sign him medium or long term after this season? I don't know. Like, I don't think he really has a long-term future with the Sens unless he, like, really, you know, comes out of nowhere and puts up, like, a really good season then. Yeah. But I I suspect he's just going to be pretty decent and, you know, yeah, we probably flip him at the deadline or something. Yeah, and, I mean, I was speaking to an avid long, long long-time Habs fan this morning. Uh, Shout-out to to Wade, uh, if he listens to this. (laughs) But but he said that he could see Galchenyuk doing quite well with the centers um, just because, you know, with the amount of young talent we need, if somebody's not ready to take the reins in a higher role and Galchenyuk does show he's capable and he's able to produce, well, then that's huge for the team. 
and um and i i agreed with that you know it, it makes sense to at least bring the guy in give him an environment where he's able to thrive if if he takes advantage of the opportunity that he's going to get with the centers which he will get opportunities then it could be like ben saying you know a low risk medium potentially high reward i'm going to stay with the medium reward though i don't want to yeah make some false overhype for him um <laughs> but uh but yeah um who knows? And I guess we'll just see where it goes. And I, I don't think people should be too, too worried if he is absolutely bombing it in the season, just like complete garbage. You send him down. You send him down. His contract yeah, like... is buried in the minors. Nobody's going to pick him up on waivers <laughs> if he's like an awful player. If someone does, yeah. whatever takes the contract off yeah, your hands. It's... You make room for a, a younger player. Like it literally. It's really a no lose. Yeah. Like it really, <laughs> if it was one year at like three and a half million. Okay. Well, we're talking something a bit different. Yeah. So anyway, I think, I think yeah. it's, it's going to be uh, I think it's a positive move. I don't think it's something that should be perceived overly negative, but I'm a very Great. optimistic person. So, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, moving off on to the uh, last um, signing that just came in, I believe today was Christian Yaros, and he re signed for one year, uh, $750,000 in the NHL. If he's in the AHL, he makes $250,000. Uh, so, Christian Yaros is back and he avoids arbitration with the Senators. Yeah. Apparently, uh, Bruce Garriock tweeted that that's why he went to arbitration because he was. He sort of knew he wasn't getting a one-way contract with them, but he wanted more AHL money. And man, I respect the hell out of that. Grab that bag. Like, <laughs> Christian, Christian Yarosh has been, like, in my opinion, I think when he comes up, he's just been a really solid defenseman for us. And I think he's deserved an opportunity at a long-term spot and just hasn't been given it. Um, with that said, like our defense is so like it's so muddled right now because you know if if people really want to be upset about you know stopping younger players, why aren't they upset about the Josh Brown and Eric Branson trades? Like yeah, that's fair those point. trades don't make that much sense in the context of having a defenseman like Christian Yarosh and, and you know Max Lejoie being stuck in the AHL because you have Eric Branson who is, you know, being over, uh, like he's making 4.5 or whatever. And and he's just not the same player that he was expected to be when he was drafted. Yeah. Josh Brown is still 27 and he can be turning, turn out to be something, which is great. Like I, I hope he does for us, but the point is, is like, upset about the right things and i think christian yarosh whenever he has the opportunity to play with the sense has in my opinion looked like he should be there but yeah and i mean i mean i don't want to take too much away from um, from yaros i think uh he'll he would be a good addition i mean he is 24 um and and that may be having some people be like, well, I don't see his potential going much higher, which obviously I, I don't necessarily agree with. I think he could be a great uh, bottom pairing defenseman, but the Senators signed Artyom Zub like last spring and it's almost I know. like they don't have a spot for him now. And I don't get that because he's got one year left. Like unless they're plan- like, I don't actually, I don't even know. Like what's their plan? Cause it, like is Artyom Zub supposed to replace good Brants next season so that it's like Zaitsev Zub 
and then Josh Brown. Like, I don't know what their plan is, especially when JBD uh, is potentially going to be making potentially, I don't know, but you know, has the ability to maybe make the roster next season um, or yep. the season after uh, you have Brandstrom who prefers the right side. I don't know if the centers want him to play there, but you have that. Uh, like it's, it's just weird that you stock up the right side when you have some young players who could come in and challenge for that. And like, yeah, like, especially when they acquired Josh Brown, I was like, okay, they're probably done on the right-handed defenseman slots. They got Zub um, and they have Yaros, uh, who I figured they would resign. And then they bring in, they bring in good Branson. I'm like, but, but why? But like, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I d- absolutely. I just, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I, and I forgot that Zub signing as well, for the most part. Like, he came in as a touted defenseman. You now, he played like solid minutes in the KHL and had a good season. We signed him. He signed with us over 30 other teams. You know? And then you go out and get, like, uh, it's just, for me, those ones are the ones you should be, like, pissed off about. Yeah, and and I think the other thing I want to add to that too is, Good Branson's making four million this season. We traded a fifth to get him. He's a right-handed defenseman. I think for this season we didn't need to acquire like a another top six right-handed defenseman. I think we were fine there. And then yeah. you just see New Jersey turn around and trade for Ryan Murray for a fifth-round pick. He's only making that one bothered the hell out of me. <laughs> in in real salary, uh, this season. He's making okay. He's making four point seven million uh, in actual salary, but his cap hit is four point six. So he actually is making slightly more than his cap hit. But he's a left-hand defenseman. He's about. He's actually slightly younger than Branson. He's twenty-seven, um, and I think he's he's got more in him, like to show, like more that this roster could use. And you look at our left side, we've got Shabbat, Willannon, and Riley. And to me, Riley's a guy who should be on the outside looking in, not a guy who, Absolutely. as of right now, has a roster spot. Um, unless Branstrom, which I hope this happens, but if Branstrom comes up and plays on the left side, uh, then okay, perfect. That's fine. But it's just weird that they wouldn't bring in a left-hand defenseman when I think there's more uncertainty on the left-handed side past Thomas Shabbat, especially with Willannon's mm-hmm. injury. Uh, history. Um, it just it seems a bit weird uh, that Ryan Murray was available for the same cost, and we got good Branson. <laughs> I'll be uh, I'll be really curious to see how the Sens defense lines up next season, especially as you say on the right hand side. I think, uh, yeah, I mean um, the good, good Branson and Brown and Zub. Some you know of those three guys, probably only one of them is really going to end up playing. Is I mean. I'd suspect, because Zaitsev is already a lock for the top line or second line, you know, if we're lucky. Yep, um, <laughs> and uh, Yaros, I mean, yeah, like he probably ends up more in the minors than he does in the NHL. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, at least one of those guys at least is going to be end up in the cold. And it's like they went out of their way to acquire all of them. So it's like... Yeah, it definitely seems like they, you know, maybe one superfluous guy, but like two of these guys may end up being superfluous by the end of the season, depending on how things shape yeah. shape up. And I mean, they're all on one-year contracts. Or uh, sorry, Brown has two years left, so it's not that yeah. big of a deal. But it's just like, yeah, just just why? <laughs> and 
if it's any indication from him playing overseas, Brandstrom is still playing the right side. Yeah, and uh, actually, so, Cap Friendly does have him listed as a uh, right defenseman, which is uh, interesting to note. Yeah. That um, is interesting, because like, the organization, yeah. from everything that I've heard, seems to clearly envision him as, as, a, as a left D. Yeah. And may, like, is there like some like, you know, some mean girl shit going on here of Pierre <laughs> going out and acquiring a bunch of right Ds and be like, well, I mean, listen, uh, Eric, I wish I could play you on the right, but we've just got too many guys. So, you know, Eric and Brad send you, he's got to play on the right. <laughs> yeah, and then, and, then, and then he's like, yeah, he's also from Ottawa. Like, do you even go here? Like, oh my god. Well, let's go from being negative Nancys and uh, let's let's go full uh, the opposite way and let's let's start Tilt. looking at the positives. Um, so we're gonna look at some sense prospects and uh, that are playing overseas, doing really well. Um, of course, everyone knows who we're starting off with because there's been tons of hype since the draft when at the draft people were like mm, and then now everyone's like okay 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 we see the hype so, Ruby <laughs> you know, yep. <laughs> uh, yeah you knew where i was going <laughs> so he's currently playing um over in the liga in finland and has 11 points in 12 games he's got five goals six assists and he's he's having quite the season um Oh, did one of you guys just say Sebastian Aho? No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, um, no, I'm just kidding. That was that was like a super overhype. But um, no, he's having quite a good good season um, post draft uh, in in the Liga, and I think that's super exciting to watch, especially for a second round pick. Who many said if he fixed defensive issues, he could have been a first round pickup. Um, I think it'll be very interesting to watch how he progresses this season. And I hope he does work on his defensive game. I know he's popping off offensively right now, but let's see how he, he turns around that defensive game, which was what a lot of scouts pointed out as a flaw in his game. Cause that will be interesting. Mm. You guys can, can hop in here too and, and give your opinions on your venti. I, I think uh, your venti, like came out as a shock and everybody was like, who the hell is this kid? Especially with, you know, the names that were on the board. But with that said, like, like he's the youngest or he like, he's the highest scoring teenager in Liga right now. He's outscoring like 13th overall pick Anton Lindell. Like, like he's scoring at a, a crazy pace, and and uh, I'm personally a huge fan of his. He's a big kid too. Like he's six two. He like I I like his game a lot. And you know if he he just scores, he's got a place on this roster. Yeah, yeah no, for I sure. Think, I, uh, sorry, sorry, I just sorry, want to add ahead. one caveat. Um, Robbie uh, Robbie Arventi is outscoring Anton Lundell. But I should uh, note that Lundell has played two less games and has ten points in ten games. So, um, oh well. But he's outscored him now. Let's he go. Is. What can I say? Yeah, I mean right. it's early going with those guys. Uh, but the uh, you know it all the signs look good uh, for Juventus. Hopefully, he continues to put together a solid season in La Liga, and then uh, that'd be uh, he'd be a really another 
just another great prospect to have in the cupboard. You know, uh, as we've talked about on this podcast before, just sends being light on, you know, elite goal scoring talent. And uh, he has the potential to fill a role for the team in that sense. And uh, I hope uh, I hope that he can put it together. I think that uh, circling back a little bit to the draft, you know, this was a pick that certainly had some people scratching their heads. Not everybody, but, uh, you know, some people were definitely, like you said, Matt, uh, you know, with the other names on the board, they were questioning this pick. And uh, I think we've all kind of gone through, we've flip-flopped on the Sens draft a bunch. I know I have of like, oh, like, these are really smart picks. Or, oh, like, some of these are reaches back and forth. Uh, but I think the one thing that you can unequivocally say uh, is that the Sens pay to guys that they'd really been able to have a look at. And I think that's yeah. that's clear. Like wh- whether you think your Venti was a reach or not, they clearly knew what they were going to get with him. And I think once you're in the second and third and later rounds, honestly, that's worth a lot. And you know, if they had the opportunity to observe this kid and they really thought he could be something. Um, then I'm all for them giving him a shot and taking him with that pick over guys who maybe they didn't get the chance to observe as much. Uh, so yeah. yeah, I uh, I think you know we're we're seeing some very small scale vindication here. The sense scouting staff, uh, obviously long term <laughs> over the the course of the season and the season after that and the season after that, it's going to be a lot clearer how this quote unquote historic <laughs> draft went. But I think initial signs are you know honestly it probably went pretty well. Now Sens fans just need to see returns on the whole Tyler Clevin thing. <laughs> oh, no. Don't start. Don't start. But, um, I think just going back to what you said, Bennett, um, they they said that your venti actually really benefited from a late draft. Mm. That they were able to see more of him because of uh, the late draft, and that's why they picked him so high, and uh, it clearly worked out. Um, I I really like his game, and I think it, looking at it now, it looks like a good pick. Yeah, for sure. Uh, definitely another one of those picks where the centers are like, you know, see you idiot fans, we know our shit. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'll run through some of the players that are already, they've been senators for a bit longer and are just playing well overseas so uh vitaly abramov he's got five goals two assists for seven points in six games in the liga um we've got um brandstrom who's got five points two goals three assists in five games uh over playing in uh switzerland um we've got balsers who has four or sorry a uh, goal for assists for five points in four games playing over in Norway. Um, and then Schlappig just, uh, he's over in the Czech league. Now he has a goal in three games. Um, so the Sens players, uh, the prospects that they have, um, who I guess weren't drafted this year, all seem to be playing well overseas, but we'll go to one more prospect um, who I think is, is interesting to talk about. Philippe Doust, the Moncton Wildcats. Now he's off to a good start in the QMJHL. He's got two goals, five assists for seven points in seven games. And I believe he was our sixth round draft pick. You guys can correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, yeah no, he was. Um, he's looking quite good in the QMJHL. I mean, had 29 points in 58 games last year. Already at a point per game pace right now. Will he keep it up? Mm, who knows? But Now, that's I will say, it does kind of look skewed, though. 
he's not technically a point per game because one game he had four points. That that's a fair point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I like I like his like I like his size and everything. Um, I do recall that he was like an overager. Um, so he he, is he already right. went. Yeah, so he went through. Um, the Sens did pick, I think, two or three. Um, overagers. They do like their overagers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I just think like it's it's always hard to to say because you you have players that you really like and uh, players you would have preferred to see off like preferred to see taken but it is what it is i think i also think it's dao it could just be me all right well um i actually forgot about um max maxence gwinnett uh playing the qmjhl yeah defenseman right-handed that we picked up i believe um, a draft or two ago but he's got five assists in six games as well seems to be playing not too shabby so uh we'll see where he continues to develop and, and how things go there uh the rest of our prospects um i mean lassie thompson he's playing in liga and i don't know if we want to end on a, a bit of a <laughs> down note but thompson i know we did the prospects list and um, I wasn't too high on Thompson and when we did those um, a couple months back. Lassie Thompson has two assists in 11 games in Liga. He's playing on the same team as Robbie Arventi. I don't really know what he's going to like turn into. I think when the centers drafted him, everyone knew it was a reach. I wasn't thrilled with the pick, but I was like, you know, let's see the Senators 10 no stuff. He played decently well in the WHL. He was known as having quite a, a great shot and good offensive um, awareness, but he hasn't been showing that in the league, and I believe he was a healthy scratch last game. So I don't know. Like, it's, it's, not, it's not great. Um, I mean, thankfully, the Senators have so many prospects in their cupboard right now that they can have a couple misses, but it's too bad because Lassie Thompson, uh, he was one of the, the what he I believe he was the pick that we got. Um, can't remember who we traded with that year, uh, but we lost our first round pick from the Duchesne trade to Colorado, so we were trying to get a pick back, and he's who we tr- uh, drafted. Got it from Columbus. Columbus. Okay, I thought it was Columbus, but I didn't want yeah. Yeah, in case I was wrong. Yeah. Um, anyway, and so he, uh, he isn't panning out how people want him to. I was never really high on him. That's not just because he's doing bad now. I've just kind of always held that opinion that I wasn't too low yeah, with yeah. that traffic. But <laughs> I want him to do well, but it's just too bad to see him kind of dropping off like he has been. And I kind of want to know where you guys sat on this. Yeah, I I mean, I completely agree. Um. I don't like the fact that a top prospect is either a sixth, seventh, or sitting defenseman for a team that, like, he should arguably be on their first pairing. If, like, if his development is going the way it is. Um, you know, there, there's a, a 
a Finnish scout, and I can't remember his name, um, but he has been. Oh, uh, Yoka, Yoka. Um, oh, let me let me check. Yes, I didn't want to. I didn't want to like butcher the last name, but I know I. I it start. I think it's Yoka or Yoki, but. With that said, he's been really good with giving Evelinen. You know, send Evelinen. Yeah, he's a uh, head of European scouting at Dober Prospects. Awesome. So he's been awesome with giving Sens fans updates on Yerventi and uh, and Lassie Thompson, and he's essentially said like, at the end of last year, Lassie Thompson just kind of hit a wall, and has been going and has been trending downward for quite some time now and that's not great and if i was the sends i would be very worried about that i don't know why he's trending downward i don't know what the hell is going on with him um and i would be i would be a little um you know taken aback by that but you know that's pierre dorian's job to do Yeah, it's uh, it's obviously a little concerning seeing the dip in form. Uh, what I'm curious about is, uh, you know, I'm I'm not totally up on the, you know, the rules about how and when you can move a player back and forth uh, from like you know Europe to say like the Belleville Sens. But like, does the Sens have any recourse if you know they you know, uh, Lassie Thompson is on loan with his team right now. But if they're not giving him game time, or if they're not giving him the game time they feel he deserves, does does the team have any recourse to you know repatriate him, if you will, and you know um, yeah. stick him down in Belleville, where at least he'll get some playing time and they so, can make a decision? All of these loans are contingent on NHL out con- uh, NHL out clauses. All of them can uh, will leave when training camp happens. Okay, yeah. Um, and as of right now, training camps are probably going to happen around December. Um, as of right now. And as of right now, that could definitely change um, because they're aiming for Jan 1. Um, and then the AHL is aiming for February 1. So um, Lassie Thompson will be coming all over. Oli Alsing will be coming back. Uh, Vitaly Abramov, all of these guys. Um, Matt, I'm not sure if you mentioned him and like briefly touched on him, but if you do want to end on a on a positive note in Finland, um, I was going to go to goalies go- next. <laughs> oh, there I, you I, go. Let's I, do I it. had briefly forgotten. Um, I'll just say uh, before we get to who I know you want to talk about, uh, Philip Gustafsson has looked good. Um, playing in Sweden. He's not playing in the NHL, but he has played 10 games uh, in... Um, oh, man, I would butcher that. Uh, but the Soder um, Tally SK, and he has 10 games played, uh, 2.27 goals against average, and a save percentage of 926. So he's looking good over there. But yeah. I know you want to yeah. get to Levy Merlinen. He was playing for yeah. U20 in Finland. He had nine games played, a goals against average of two, and a save percentage of nine twenty eight. And now he got moved up. I think he's the backup now, right? On uh, in uh, Carpat in the Liga, right? Yeah, and I think there's something really cool to note about this is that um, Carpat has two very notable goalies, 
Um, one being Joel Blomquist. Uh, he was second round this year. Yeah, and then he, they also have Eustace Ananen, who is a Colorado Avalanche goalie prospect. But he he was play he was the goalie for Finland last year. Uh, in the World Juniors. Interesting. Yeah, they have two very notable goalies, especially for like you know the Finnish or the Finnish uh, liga. That like these are two um, world junior caliber goalies that are now playing professional. And Marilainen just came in. Was it because of you know bad player injury? Who knows? But I would love to see them give him a game. Yeah. No, it'd be very, very interesting to see how you perform at uh, the top level of Finnish competition. So I'm hoping yeah. that he gets a chance. Who knows? We'll see. Um, but yeah, that's it's definitely a, a fun little little story to watch here, especially when everyone's like, this guy wasn't even ranked. Uh, why would we take that's the third? literally me. Including yeah, me, I know. Including me. I, was, <laughs> I was a doubter. But now I'm like, okay, yeah. let's see him work his magic. Let's see what happens. Um, yeah. So we're we got two more topics that we want to talk about here, and I think they're some fun hypotheticals. And I just know we're probably going to get ragged on for a couple of these because I came up with these topics and I was like, man, I know these are controversial. But if you were the Ottawa Senators, let's say you guys were Pierre Dorian, would you target Matthew Barzell with an offer sheet? No. Great answer, Bennett. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and, and I'll I'll tell you why. Uh, so I mean, Matt Barzal, uh, he in his rookie season he had eighty points or something like that. Uh, he's been a sixty-point player for the last couple of seasons. What do you think he would get uh, from realistically from the Islanders? Probably something around six million, maybe six point five million. He's right on the cusp of, uh, if you look at the uh, the compensation graph for what you have yeah. to give up when you offer sheet somebody if it's successful. He's right on the cusp between, you know, what the two options. So the first one, uh, let's say, to send sent him an offer sheet for an average of 6.5 mil. Uh, they, and it was successful. They'd have to give up a first and a third round pick. If that pushed even a little bit higher to... Six uh six point five uh four four like like six million five five hundred forty four thousand six hundred forty one so just a hair over six point five mil. If it goes over that, then that's a first, a second, and a third round pick. Even yeah. the first option, I don't think is worth it. The the second option, if it pushes into that higher category, I really don't think is worth it. I think uh you know he's a he's a very good center, but he's not at least so far as we can tell right now a genuinely elite center. And giving up draft picks, you know, a first round pick in any case, or like potentially like all of your high draft picks to get a player like him for considering where the Sens are right now in, you know, in their kind of progress as a team, I don't think makes a lot of sense. So I'm going to kind of take the opposite opinion here. Um, You said you don't think it would be a good idea at the compensation range of a first and a third. I would actually argue that I would give him a contract where we would give up our first, second, and third picks for next year. And here's why. First of all, I would give him anywhere from over the 6.544641, over that number Mm -hmm. where he meets that criteria for the three picks, anywhere over that number 
to, I'd say, a max of, I'd say, 7.58 million, like tops. But the reason why, he's 23 years old. He's a right-handed center, which the centers have a lot of left-handed centers, not a lot of right-handed centers. So it's it's just something that I think teams should have some variety. He's got 207 points in 234 NHL games. He is an absolute playmaking beast. He's great in possession. And he he's just he's so good and he's so fast. And I think it would make sense to get a player like that when I don't know. I, I don't know about you guys, but I just see the senators doing one of those seasons next year, like twenty fifteen, where they outperform and their first round pick ends up being in like I don't know, like the fifteen to twenty range, hypothetically, or twelve to sixteen or something like that. Where it's not like like especially next year's draft where it's defensive heavy and it's not as deep as this year's draft, I think it almost is like fine if they give it up. They have two second round picks other than their own. They have Pittsburgh and Columbus's for this coming year. So I'm I'm just kind of sitting here like, why not like take a shot at a player who is definitely worth it? Uh, New York wouldn't be able to match unless they traded some player off, but they don't have anyone on like a short contract who I think teams would be willing to take. Like they'd have to get rid of like Thomas Hickey, um, I guess would be one. Uh, I don't know. They, they'd have to try and shed like Leo Komarov or something, or maybe Casey Sizikas, <laughs> but they'd have to get rid of a player because they've only got like 5 million in cap space. So I think, I think they're, they're sitting at four. Um, but reading I mean, it right now, cap friendly, it says five point about five point two, or sorry, okay, projected so cap space. Not... No, you're right. Sorry, I was reading current cap space. They're projected is oh, is okay. two point nine. Yes, you're right. I th- I would say like honestly, if you were going to, why not just do literally six million five hundred and forty four thousand six hundred and forty dollars? <laughs> <laughs> because like like that's the very height of that second level of or sorry the uh fourth level of compensation right that's yeah, the very yeah. height of it. Not up the second exactly um they can't match it if barzell could see himself having a resurgence and and you know and maybe expecting i mean i know it's it's the whole flat cap thing yeah we got escrow all that yep. so it totally makes sense but honestly yeah it, whether it's compensation like level four or five i would i honestly would love to see dorian just like just show some some like balls and just go out and just lay that offer sheet down and be like i don't know barzell you want to be a top line center playing with brady kachuk and Evgeny dadno i mean i don't know <laughs> so I'm, i get it i get it um i think uh because these have to be your picks and the Sens, do you have a first, second, and third? Yep, absolutely. Um, the only issue is, is like we saw with the Matt Duchesne trade, just because you add a very good player doesn't mean your team is going to get better, which is scary. Oh, for <laughs> and sure. I think I, just looking at Matt Barzell's style of play, like he is a very good player, don't get me wrong, but I would be very hesitant to give up our first round pick next year. Yeah, okay. I uh, yeah, I I want to put some respect on Matt Barzell's game. Uh, I yep. you know I I 
I may have sounded a little cold on him. Like he's a really, really good player. Like you know, yeah, he's, he's a very all, good. He's player. almost a point per game player, and he's not like, like he's on a good team, but not like a fantastic team. Like he's doing a yeah. lot of work himself, and that's really no. He's their best player. But it's just like, uh, again, like I just don't think we're at that point where a we want to be giving up those high draft picks. I really think that we will want to be taking those picks next year, and I don't think we should be going out and acquiring a player of that. Barzell's caliber at a cost like that well our lineup is so fluid like we don't know yeah. if we have a hole in our top six like centers right now like a season from now we could be saying yeah our one c is going to be stutzler and our two c is going to be logan brown or josh norris yeah. or someone you know and then we're yeah. going to wish we would have had some extra draft picks and we hadn't acquired someone like matt yes. Barzal to like do a role that like we might have been able to fill within the organization you know it's like i would cool it on stuff like this for at least another season or two like like save like save the blockbuster trades and moves until like we know exactly what the holes in our roster because right now like it's like we were just talking about it before like guys could be going up anywhere like everything is totally like everything is in play like who who the hell knows what a team looks like next year or the year after that and we don't want to be you know betting the farm on like we did with Matt Duchesne and um, we don't need to relitigate that we all know how we feel about that you know probably a good move at the time but didn't work out and you know we don't want to bet the farm on something like that again unless we know that like he's gonna be exactly what this team is needs to like take it to the other level like right now we don't know that yeah I like honestly like I, I'm totally f- like happy with the picks we have, and if the Senators don't touch their picks whatsoever going into next year, totally fine. It's just something that I thought might be a fun little hypothetical, especially. Oh yeah, like how hundred uh, percent when how uh, like if you had a one C of Stutzla and a two C of Barzell, you know that puts you um, in the future in that stratosphere of you know like the. Austin Matthews, John Tavares type deal. Um, hopefully with a little more playoff fortune, but you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> so anyway, it's it's just a, a fun hypothetical I want to throw by. Absolutely. Now, yeah. the second hypothetical we'll get into is whether the Senators should pursue right-handed defenseman, 27-year-old Canadian, Dougie Hamilton in free agency next season. Oh. <laughs> also, no, Bennett and Ben. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's no we... controversy in that one, Bennett. I like, like it. Uh, <laughs> can, do I need to refer you to the conversation we had like 12 minutes ago about the log jam at, at right D and all these prospects yeah. who we want to see where they pan out? Uh, and now, then just going out and acquiring another NHL defenseman. Yeah. Like, listen, the... Dougie Hamilton is better than Goodbranson and he's better than, probably better than Brown. Well, certainly better than Brown. Uh, probably better than Zaitsev. Uh, so oh, very all, much better than all of all of that sounds good, but it's just like it, like a situation like from an organizational standpoint, a situation where you have like bonafide NHL guys getting sat night in night out because you have such a log jam on your defense. It like it's not it's not realistic. Like it's you know uh, like that's gonna be a case where you know agents are getting involved and you're having you're getting forced into making moves in order to clear space from guys you just went out to acquire you know like that i just i just don't think it's realistic in my hypothetical brain of uh preparing these 
<laughs> these hypothetical scenarios. I was looking at next season. I looked at all the players who had expiring contracts. Um, you know, Branson, Riley, uh, Nilsson, um, Gabrick's coming off the books. I just looked at each of the players that we have that's that's getting gone. Artem Anisimov, gone. You know, we have some of those players just out of here. Um, we're going to shed almost $19 million of cap space from just contracts expiring. Plus, we're losing a player to the expansion draft. If the Senators could get Seattle, I don't know how, but if they could get Seattle with a, a draft pick and a, a, one of our B-level prospects to take Nikita Zaitsev, if you bring Dougie Hamilton into the fold, you're getting a bona fide top two right-handed defenseman. That was my viewpoint. It's yeah. Shabbat is doing everything by himself. What if you could bring in a guy who immediately could step in and help split those minutes with Shabbat? And then on top of that, you look at a right-handed defense. Like we have Jacob Bernard Docker coming up, but he's not expected to be a bona fide uh, like top pairing defenseman on the right-hand side. Brandstrom has the raw talent to eventually hit that. But it seems like we talked about earlier, he should be playing on the right side if that's his preference. But the organization seems to favor him being on the left side and grooming him that way. And then, like, if we have Artyom Zub, who knows? I hope he does grow with the team and stays. But Joshua Brown, are we really keeping Joshua Brown? Like, honestly, like, him and Good Branson are both going to be gone at some point. Like, Good Branson probably at the end of this year, Brown at probably the end of next season. If he doesn't turn into a healthy scratch, Zaitsev is the guy who we may have to keep just because of no one wanting to take his contract and the Senators probably not wanting to buy him out. But I think the right-handed defensive position isn't actually one the Senators are strong in, especially when we talked about Lassie Thompson also not really developing how Senators fans were hoping he would. I think there's a lot of creativity that the Senators could have on that right-hand defensive side. And I think going out and getting a guy like him in the free agency next season would be huge for this team. But again, just one person's opinion. Yeah, I, I think that, I... that argument totally makes sense. But it's like, if, 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 you know? It's like, <laughs> if we acquire him, if we don't keep those guys, if Seattle wants to take whoever, you know? It's just like, I think, like, right now, looking at, like, we can talk about, oh, but Good Branson and John, Josh Brown, they're not going to be Senators players in the season. Yeah, but they are this season. So, like, with the information yeah. we have available, it, it <laughs> like, it doesn't, like, you know, we can't make decisions based on, uh, you know, moves that haven't happened, I guess is what I'm saying. I, I say, hell yeah. Hell. Um, because <laughs> Welcome uh, to the Dougie dark Hamilton, Ham, uh, Hamilton comes onto our team and arguably and like this is a huge arguably becomes our best defenseman like hamilton is a very good defenseman and i mean there's no chance he signs here i know that for a fact wow i dislike you my hypothetical brain is mad at you (laughs) i know but like like he, uh, he signs here and our first pairing becomes one of the best in the league um who cares about the bums you have on the right side i mean like then (laughs) like as as matt said and i guess bennett you know said we we're talking and talking about nows but we're talking about you know futures and like if zub 
Zub's expendable if you bring in Dougie Hamilton. Uh, Josh Brown's expendable if you bring in Dougie Hamilton. Uh, hell, Jacob Bernard Docker is expendable if you bring in Dougie well, Hamilton. I don't think yeah, he fits the same true. role, honestly. I think Jacob Bernard Docker fits a different role. Like, I don't see Jacob oh, Bernard Docker oh. ever being a top-line right-handed defenseman. I see him being a... a yeah, no, a a, absolutely. And and neither is Josh Brown and Eric Goodbranson and Artem yeah. Zub. But the point is, is that if you have the opportunity to bring in a top defenseman like that through free agency, like Vegas just did with frickin' Petrangelo, I mean, you take it uh-huh. any chance you can. Um, Why not? Because he instantly makes our, our, our team better. One thing I will add, too, is if you look at his possession numbers, when he's on the ice, his team is controlling the puck about 58% of the time. That is extremely high. Mm. And that's not like an abnormal anomaly in his in his stats. Over the entire course of his career, since he was 19 in Boston, his possession stats have almost always one season his first season in calgary there was a dip slightly under 50 percent other than that his whole career when he's on the ice his team is controlling the puck for the majority of the time his on ice save percentage last year when he was playing on the ice his goalie's save percentage was 0.926 and yes okay that's not just can can be attributed to just him on the ice obviously there's four other players out there but that is that is a high stat, and he was only started in the offensive zone like fifty one and a half percent of the time he played. Yet he was almost point per game. Well, I shouldn't say almost because he was forty points in forty seven games. But that's that's quite close for a defenseman who's not being deployed as an offensive defenseman. Like that's that's quite a lot. So he is yep. like a bona fide top two guy who controls the play, shuts down opposing teams. He is who I want Jake Sanderson to be down the road. Maybe not as high point yeah. scoring, but if Jake Sanderson turns into three quarters the player that um, that Dougie Hamilton is, wow, that's that's the player that I would love to see Jake Sanderson model his game after. And Jake Sanderson thinks he can get better offensively. I mean, that's a conversation for another time, maybe. But uh, but that's why he, it's just a very exciting hypothetical to look at because of the possibilities of what it would mean for this team. Yeah. But anyway, on that note, we'll call it a day here at the Centennial Podcast. <laughs> uh, we do, hopefully, I'm pretty sure it's going to happen. We have a guest lined up next week. Uh, really excited um, to have them come and join us. So uh, thank you, everybody, who's listened today. And shout out to everybody who watches the show. I know we haven't been, uh, or watches, I should say, listen to. <laughs> um, I know we haven't been consistent um, uh, all the time, but uh you know, uh, there's ebbs and flows and, and different schedules, and we try to make things work. For- and it's the off season. Yeah, like, it is I mean, the off season. Sorry, sure. <laughs> the, the the off season it really is feast or famine. It's like either you're yeah. drafting and signing free agents, and there's like thirty topics to talk about, or it's just weeks of just absolute nothing and just like exactly. you know doing like armchair GM on cat friendly over and over again. <laughs> yes, <laughs> or at so, least that's me. Uh, We'll try and we'll try and keep finding some uh, fun topics to talk about. That's why I brought up the Barzell and the Dougie Hamilton stuff. It's some fun stuff we can talk about here. But uh, yeah, we just want to give everybody a shout out for for listening and and hanging in there. And thank you so much. And I hope everybody uh, stays safe. And we'll catch you next time. Bye. Later, Bye. guys. <laughs>